Hey, welcome to the Recruiting Trail. I'm your host, Andrew Nimick of the Oregonian and Oregon Live. This is a five-star episode. I'd like to think they're all five-star episodes in terms of quality, but this one is so named because of the amount of news surrounding five-star prospects. If you're an Oregon Duck fan, this might be the most exciting podcast I've produced. I know we've had some teasers before signing day, but a lot of the guys were already committed, so not a lot of exciting news there in terms of teasing big commitments. This episode is dense. It's thick with interesting recruiting tidbits and a big prediction on a major, major recruit. Let's jump right into it. Oregon hosted the, their first weekend of official visitors. They got a commitment from Sir Mel's, the defensive tackle, six foot four, three 310 pounds out of Nevada. If you followed his recruitment, you probably saw this one coming. This was a young man who was committed to Washington, got an offer from Oregon, decommitted, and immediately set an official visit the very first weekend of June, as soon as it was allowed to visit Oregon, and he locks in and commits. Sir Mel's, I think, is a kid. He's a three-star prospect. I think he's a young man who probably uh, gets a bump up to a four-star prospect when he's able to go to some camps. Either way, I've talked about this a ton. Six foot four, three hundred pound guys don't grow on trees, particularly in the West region. They're hard to come by. And if you can get one, and you can get one that's pretty quick-footed and athletic and functional and projectable. You should go after him. And there's a reason he had offers from Washington and USC. Definitely a rare specimen in the West region. So kind of ignore, I guess, the star rating. Certainly, I think this is a big get. Again, this is a guy who chose Oregon over Washington and USC. And in the West region, those guys, those six foot four, 300 pound guys just have more value. I don't know how else to say it. Uh, Greg Biggins was on recruiting with Andrew Nimick on 1080 The Fan. Uh, that's on Thursday night, 7 to 8 p.m. He was on a couple years ago and he said the number three defensive tackle, the number three offensive tackle would be something like the number 25 to 30 rated offensive tackle or defensive tackle in the South region. So the number three West region offensive tackle or defensive tackle, the number three guy in the West wouldn't even be in the top 20 in the South. So in the South, you can get the 22nd best guy and he might be a top five guy in the West region. So kind of throw out uh, rankings in terms of defensive tackles. You want some size. You know, you look at Jordan Scott, Fat Mac, when he was at Oregon, he was not a highly rated kid, came out of the South. Again, not even highly rated in the South region, but because he was a big projectable body, he was very successful for the first couple of years that he was in Eugene. Sermels, I think, is a better player. I think he's going to have more push for pass rush. I don't know if he's going to be quite the run stuffer. Jordan Scott was great against the run. I don't know if Sermels is that good a player against the run, but I think he's a better all-around defensive tackle. This is a nice get for Oregon. Great start to the weekend. The big news, of course, though, was Cyrus Moss's visit. And Oregon's hosted a number of quality, talented athletes. The number 10 corner in the nation, Terrence Brooks, one of the top 15, 20 linebackers in the nation. Robbie Snelling was a top 30 outside linebacker in the nation, also a baseball recruit. Sounds like his visit went extremely well. He could be looking to commit soon. He's a Nevada prospect. But Cyrus Moss was the headliner. And Cyrus Moss became the headliner in the news-grabbing attention story coming out, even though Sir Mel's committed because of the way his visit went. I had a chance to talk to Cyrus. And one of these things, it's kind of like a hidden piece to recruiting. 
when a prospect is willing to talk to lots of different media members that cover one team, that means he's highly interested in that school. And if you paid attention at all, I'd love to pretend like I had an exclusive with Cyrus Moss. Cyrus Moss talked to every Oregon reporter that I think reached out to him and credit to him for being responsible about it, for being nice about it, for being patient about it and talking to everyone. But he spoke to everybody he could about his Oregon visit. You will see sometimes in a recruitment, and this has happened to me a few times. I used to take it personally when I started on the beat. I would get to know a kid really well and Oregon would be in his final five. I text with him two, three times a week, talk to him for interviews every few weeks, definitely after every visit, get an update. And then all of a sudden they just go dark on me. And I'd go, man, what did I do? Are you mad at me? Did I write something wrong? Did I tweet something I shouldn't have that, that you thought was off the record? Did I screw this up somehow? And sure enough, it's that essentially the school you come to find out has been eliminated, or at least in his mind, they've been eliminated. So when a guy goes from being very, very, very available to suddenly doesn't talk to any reporter from a school, that usually means that school's been eliminated. That has worked time and time and time again. You could almost set your watch to making predictions on this kid is willing to talk to all Oregon reporters, all Oregon State reporters, all USC reporters. Oh, suddenly he won't talk to anyone from that school. You can almost set your watch to that kid has mentally, even if he hasn't publicly, he's mentally eliminated that school. Works almost every time. The flip side of that is the Cyrus Moss case. If he talks to everyone, he's hyper interested in that school. If he's willing to take the time to talk to everybody, it means he really wants to get to know those reporters. There's a chance that he'll be working with those reporters at the next level. And Cyrus Moss was a guy who talked to everyone. His visit was fantastic. And you didn't just get that from me. Anybody who did a story on Cyrus Moss had something along the lines of their headline of Cyrus Moss has amazing visit to Oregon. And he really did. I talked to him and he said he was looking for wow factor, that that was the thing he wanted to see from his five official visits, somebody to blow him away. And then he waited because he didn't want to give away something. And I've done, I've done hundreds of these interviews and I can tell, I've done enough of them. I can tell when a guy's holding back, just saying, I got that feeling. I love Oregon. I'm in love with Oregon. They're my leader, essentially. And it really, really felt like that's where he was going, that he was having a hard time. And he said, I don't want to get ahead of myself because it was my first visit. But Oregon really approached that wow factor. And that was after he kind of had gathered himself and then said, okay, I got to gotta pump the brakes here. I think Oregon absolutely is in the driver's seat for Cyrus Moss. I've put in a prediction that they will get Cyrus Moss. He's the number three edge rusher in the country, six foot six, 220 pounds. He is the closest thing to Kayvon Thibodeau that has come out of high school football since Kayvon Thibodeau. Not in terms of ranking because Kayvon Thibodeau was the number one recruit in the nation. Cyrus Moss is in the top 25 to 30. But in terms of frame, a really flexible, athletic, six foot six, 220 pound guy that needs to build on that frame. Remember when Kayvon Thibodeau came to Oregon, he wasn't bent, uh, he wasn't squatting hardly anything. He could squat like the average high school D lineman. Now he's, he's way up there. I think he joined recently the weightlifting 600 club, 600 pound club at Oregon. Um, he's become a monster. He's developed into a monster. But the thing that stood out to Cyrus, was that he said, I, I, he spent most of his visit with, or a big chunk of his visit with Kayvon. They hung out a lot. And he said, everyone compares him to me. And when I got on campus, I could see it. I could see that I looked like him physically, that athletically, the way I moved was very similar. But I was surprised at how much we were the same as people. And as people, and, and as a person, 
Kayvon Thibodeau has thrived in Eugene. He's found a home. He's found a fit. He's been surrounded by good people. He's been comfortable and he's grown on and off the field and been allowed to kind of flourish and spread his wings as a duck. Pun very much intended. And that really stuck out to Cyrus because he he said, and it was literally this moment where he goes, if he can do it, dot, dot, dot. And that's literally what he said. If, if Kayvon had this much, had felt this comfortable and grew this much, I really feel like Cyrus Moss is very, very likely to choose Oregon. Now, there's some big-time schools in the mix for him. Clemson's still in it. Florida's still in it. Arizona State's another school that's still in it. But to me, this just feels like a situation where Cyrus Moss is probably going to end up in Eugene by the time it's all said and done. And I've gotten that feeling for six months now. I felt like Oregon was in strong shape for Cyrus. Cyrus is in the top 32. And I talked about this in the top 32 prospects in America. I talked about this last year with Kingsley Suamataia. 24-7 every single year, right before signing day, drops the five-star list from whatever it's at, whether it's at 24 or 18 or 19. They drop it down to 32. And the reason they do that is that's how many first-round picks there are in the NFL draft. I've gotten that from Brandon Huffman, who's the national recruiting editor there. That That's the reason they drop it to 32 every year. You can go back and check it every year, top 32, five-star prospects. Cyrus Moss right now in the top 30, he will be, as long as he stays in his spot, a five-star prospect. So I said I've got three bits of five-star news. Potentially potentially four. This is what I mean by potentially four. Cyrus Moss is the potential fourth. We still got three more big pieces of news regarding five stars coming. Kelvin Banks Jr. took his official visit. He's a five-star offensive tackle, Under Armour All-American offensive tackle, six foot five, 300-pound monster offensive lineman. Took his official visit June 8th. He finished up his visit this week. Had a chance to talk to him uh, on Thursday. And his visit also went awesome. And again, what stood out to Kelvin Banks Jr. was were two things. He really related to the staff. He thought they were very honest and genuine with him. So he liked the energy. He liked the vibe. We always hear that, right? People always say the drip at Oregon or the facilities at Oregon are amazing. But the first thing he actually mentioned, and he did mention that, that's the second thing. The first thing he mentioned was the realness of the coaching staff. They said, if I come to Oregon, they can give me the tools and they can help guide me to success, but I have to do it myself. And they know how to get me there, but I have to be willing to put in the work to be great. And I liked that they were honest with me about how to become great, that it wasn't if you're here automatically or you're so great automatically, you're going to be good. No, he went to Oregon and they said, listen, you've got all the raw tools in the world and we can help you sharpen those tools and hone in your craft. But the truth is, unless you put in a huge amount of work while you're here in Eugene, if you come here, you're not going to be great, that you need to put in the work. And he said he loved that. He loved it. And not only did he like it or or love it, however you want to say it, I feel like we're at Cold Stone ordering. I don't know if anybody else likes Cold Stone, but they have like, like it, love it, gotta have it instead of small, medium, and large. It's like the most obnoxious, like Starbucks, everybody complains about tall, uh, I don't even, grande, venti, trenta. Coldstone's flavors are, I like it, love it, gotta have it. So however you say it, whether Kelvin Banks liked it, loved it, or had to have it, he really liked his visit to Oregon, and he actually said he will be making a return trip to Eugene. He for sure, his words, for sure will make a return trip 
to Eugene after that visit. So that went really well. Again, Kelvin Banks, one of the top 20 recruits in the nation, he's the number two offensive tackle in the country. Oregon has made his top eight. And if you look at that top eight, he's a Southern kid. And you see Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and Texas and Texas A&M. Oregon's going to have to pull him out of his home region. And that's going to be tough. LSU's also in that mix. But if you're talking about how an official visit went, that was a slam dunk official visit. And it sounds like he's going to pay his own way or his family's going to pay his own way to come back to Eugene. That's what you want to hear out of a visit if you're a fan of the Oregon Ducks. You want to hear those five-star guys love it so much they have to, they have to get another taste. So that's a great, great sign. There were other visitors. We're still working on talking to everybody. And, and in some cases, uh, they traveled, weren't allowed to talk, and then they showed up at other campuses. You look at a situation like Dane Shore, the IMG Academy interior offensive lineman. We had scheduled an official vi- or an interview after his official visit. He was at the airport. He gets on a plane. Once you're at a campus, I don't know if people know this, when you're on an official visit, you're not allowed to give interviews. You can't give an interview on an official visit. You're not supposed to do it. It's against the rules. So he's on another visit. So we went to, hey, I'm about to get on the plane. I just missed you. When I land, I'll get you. And then suddenly he's on another visit and I don't get a chance to talk to him. We'll get to everybody. But those were the big pieces of news to me. Cyrus Moss, I think Oregon is firmly in the in the driver's seat for him. I put in my prediction. I think they get Cyrus Moss. That is massive. Massive. An elite, elite, elite edge rusher. And then Kelvin Banks, the number two offensive tackle in the country. Oregon did enough that I think they go from being in the top eight and we'll see to I think Oregon's a serious top three or four threat to land him given given Mario Cristobal's ability to recruit offensive linemen. So great news, great news for the Oregon Ducks in football. There will be more great news as we go. Again, watch for Robbie Snelling, the four-star outside linebacker and elite baseball prospect. Watch for him to potentially commit to Oregon too. That's another piece uh, to watch from this weekend that was really encouraging. Flipping over to basketball. And I have to correct myself from an earlier show. Dior, Dior Johnson mentioned that he, I almost called him Dior Mathis after the corner, former corner for for uh, the football program. Dior Johnson listed a top five. And in his top five, a few weeks ago, he's the number one point guard in the nation in the class of 2022, the number three overall prospect. He mentioned going overseas and playing professionally. And I said, you know, there's a good chance he's just going to go play professionally. When 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 any recruit has the pros as one of his options, we just saw this with Jaden Hardy, when pros is one of the options, that's often the way they go. And I was contacted by an AAU coach who said, dig into that assumption a little further because I don't think that's true anymore. Dot, 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 NLI. Name, image, likeness rules. And if you haven't followed that, the NCAA and and seemingly state legislatures are working on a rule where athletes could make money off their own name, image, and likeness in college. And if that happens, and it's supposed to potentially for the class of 2022 and the class of 2023, now we don't know exactly when it's going to be enacted, but it looks inevitable at this point, players are going to start making money while they're in college. And if they can make money while they're in college and have that college experience, potentially that is more appealing than going overseas to make the same amount or less money 
playing in different leagues. So I talked to some AAU coaches. I talked to some high school coaches that coach at high levels around the country, different coaches I've talked to through other recruitments, recruits uh, you know, in the past that potentially had Oregon or Oregon State in their top lists or AAU coaches that or big time high school coaches that were here for the Schwab. And, and kind of reached out to people and said, what do you think of this? And, and the overwhelming sentiment I got is while going pro is a popular option and always will be a popular option, you are going to start seeing elite kids with the NLI rule in effect choose college. They're going to choose that in case basketball doesn't work out. And also in some cases at some of the big time programs that do a great job with social, that know how to market athletes that work a lot with marketing companies, potentially Oregon with Nike, you could see a scenario where big time kids feel like they could make more money off the NLI rules in college than they could going overseas. That that's the more lucrative option. I I would imagine Duke could potentially be, imagine Zion Williamson at Duke being able to make money off his name, image, and likeness and how much money he potentially could have made for himself. So I had to go back and dig on Dior Johnson, the number three recruit in the nation, the number one point guard in the nation. And the strong sentiment I now get at the very least, again, the number three recruit in the nation, number one point guard in the nation is that Oregon is not only firmly in the mix, And you never like to make predictions. I never like to make predictions with five-star basketball recruits because so many things can change on a dime. See Jamal Murray choosing Kentucky over Oregon. I think Oregon's got a really, really good shot at Dior Johnson. I'm not ready to make that prediction because things come down to the wire. And like I said, basketball recruits seem to flip on a dime. Things change overnight. But I think Oregon is very strongly in the mix for Dior Johnson the number three recruit in the nation, America's best point guard. I haven't had a chance to talk to him, but I imagine the fact that Peyton Pritchard won point guard of the year two years ago, that Chris Duarte won shooting guard of the year last year, that Will Richardson looks poised to be an all-conference point guard this year and then will likely, well, he will be, he's a senior, will be moving on from the program, opens up a point guard spot that Oregon has proven can be elite nationally. Oregon has proven we develop elite guards. And I would imagine if the NLI is passed, there's a chance there that he doesn't choose the pros and he chooses Oregon. He is committing to a school on June 25th. Kentucky's in there. Washington's in there. He's taking an official visit to Washington. I just, like I said, I said earlier flippantly, Man, when guys have pro pro leagues in their top five, usually that's the way they go. We just saw that with Jaden Hardy. And then I dug deeper, and not only am I finding that that may not be the case anymore because of this NLI rule potentially with the class of 2022 going forward, but also it sounds very much like Oregon is strongly, strongly in the mix for Dior Johnson. That is one that I would watch very carefully. And I don't even want to say to Oregon fans, like, don't get your hopes up. That's one you should have your hopes up for. That's one that Oregon is right there. They're right there. I don't know if anybody, certainly nobody I talked to knew for sure. No one said it's Oregon, no doubt. Nobody even knew. Nobody said it's Kentucky, no doubt. It's the pros, no doubt. But everybody around it that I talked to said Oregon is right there with a couple other schools. They're right in it. He's very real about that possibility. So that's an exciting one to watch. That's an exciting piece of news. Again, not ready to make an official prediction. You will not see an article on Oregon Live about that for a while because I'm just really gun-shy with five-star recruits. I would have bet my life 
that Jamal Murray was going to Oregon. I had quotes from his inner circle about going to Oregon, and then he didn't end up at Oregon. So when that happens, you go, man, I don't know if I could have done it. You know, I had it from as close to him as I could possibly get day of, and it wasn't Oregon. I was floored. So I never like to make predictions. I'm always gun shy, but that's one to watch. The other, the other five-star recruit, and this is fun. This is a fun one, is Mookie Cook, the class of 2023 prospect who's at Jefferson. Next year, he's going to be at AZ Compass Prep. He's going to play his AAU ball with the Oakland Soldiers. That's the same place that class of 2023 Westland point guard Jackson Shellstead is going to be playing his AAU ball. And I just think Oregon has a not-so-secret game plan at this point. If you follow the Oakland Soldiers, you know they are big time. The Peach Jam Tournament, other than Geico Nationals, the Peach Jam is the number one tournament in America. Geico Nationals is high school teams. Peach Jam is AAU teams. And Peach Jam is maybe for AAU National Championship. might be the tournament in America. It might be the number one. I think it is the number one tournament in America. If you win that, you're the national champs. The Oakland Soldiers have won that twice. Getting in with the Oakland Soldiers is huge. And based on this last weekend, based on this last week, I think it's not a stretch to say Oregon wants to become the University of Oregon, comma, Oakland Soldiers. Because the Oregon Ducks hosted Ramel Lloyd. He's a top 60 recruit in the nation. Just this past weekend, class of 2022 kid, he is part of the Oakland Soldiers. He's part of the Oakland Soldiers that would be a part of this class, this 2022 class. They hosted Mookie Cook. The five-star small forward who's at Jefferson right now will be at AZ Compass Prep. He's playing for Oakland Soldiers this summer. And earlier in the week, they had they hosted and offered Westland point guard Jackson Shellstead, who is going to be playing this summer for dot, 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 the Oakland Soldiers. Oregon is going to make a strong push at recruiting Oakland Soldiers players. And man, oh man, if they make that link, we're talking a whole new ball game. And this Oregon program is fantastic. I'm not saying that there'll be a different whole level program. I'm just saying in terms of having a pipeline to one of the best AAU programs in America, having a pipeline to one of the best producers of young talent in the world, that's a great place to start. If you get in with the Oakland Soldiers, you've got to connect to major recruits year in, year out, flat out. And Oregon is making that push. Ramel Lloyd Jr. visited this weekend. Mookie Cook visited this weekend. Jackson Shellstead visited earlier in the week. All Oakland Soldiers. I mean, it, it doesn't take a genius to say, hmm, wonder if maybe Oregon's making a push to try to get in with the Oakland Soldiers AAU program. They obviously are. Now the question is, is, is it successful? And you can kind of see maybe how these dominoes might fall. Ramel Lloyd, big time talent. You want to be in with that kid. You want to be in with him. You've got a chance to get him after a good official visit. Went well. Jackson Shellstead hosted earlier in the week. Jackson Shellstead is a kind of the young apprentice of Peyton Pritchard. Not only in the Westland community, but they actually know each other. When Jackson Shellstead got his offer from Oregon, he called Peyton Pritchard right as soon as he could, right as soon as he was allowed to, Peyton Pritchard, and had a chance to talk with him and said, I got the Oregon offer. And he's talked about wanting to be emulating Peyton Pritchard. That is not by any means a slam dunk because Jackson Selstead is going to have big time offers. He's already got Stanford. He's already got Arizona State and Houston, a couple other programs. He's a big time talent. Texas Tech has offered him. He's a big time player. 
So you never want to pencil in a kid who's a sophomore and say, oh, definitely. But I think Oregon's going to have a really good shot because they've got the relationship. And Jackson really watched and was close with the Pritchard family. He's very close with them. So he's followed Oregon basketball religiously during all of Peyton's career. So he's an Oregon fan. Now, he might be more of a Peyton Pritchard fan than he is an Oregon fan, but he certainly, certainly has watched Oregon religiously the past few years. If you can get Jackson and you can get Ramel Lloyd, maybe potentially you have a chance at Mookie. And oh yeah, by the way, Mookie visited alongside Lamar Washington. Lamar Washington is a class of 2022 prospect. He is a six foot four, 200 pound, four star outside linebacker, but he's a hooper. He's a point guard, combo guard. And I called him a shooting guard and he slid into my DMs and was like, excuse me, sir. <laughs> Correction. I am a point guard, combo guard. Okay. Uh, but he could fill it up. And, and Mookie's fantastic. Mookie's the higher end prospect long term. But Lamar Washington is the scorer for that Jefferson team. He puts up seemingly pretty consistently 30, 30 points a night. You'll see games where he suddenly has like, he had a game where he had like 45 points, 17 rebounds or something ridiculous, uh, five blocks, six assists, something crazy like that. Seven assists, six blocks. I mean, he's a monster. And Mookie's that guy who's like 28 and eight, 17, seven and six. He's a really good player, fills it up. He's a year younger. So right now, the leadership role, the big-time fill-it-up role, goes to Lamar Washington, and he's among the state leaders. Now, Jackson Shellstead is a sophomore at Westland. He's saying not so fast. He's averaging 30 points a game, and then earlier this week put up 38. Those guys can fill it up. But you're seeing this roadmap. How does Oregon end up with an in with the Oakland Soldiers and potentially get a guy like Mookie Cook? Well, they could offer and somehow work their magic. Right now, Lamar Washington's not rated in basketball. He will be. He will end up being a three- or four-star basketball recruit. They could potentially offer Lamar Washington as a guard, as a developmental four-year guard. Then they could, so that interests Mookie. They're very, very close. Then they could get Ramel Lloyd. And if you get Ramel Lloyd and you're in with the Oakland Soldiers, you've got an in already with Jackson Shellstead, all of those pieces together give you a great shot at Mookie. Now, individually, all of those pieces are fantastic. Individually, you'd like to get Lamar Washington. Great player. Great in-state player. Individually, you'd like to get Ramel Lloyd. He's not a piece to add Mookie. It doesn't hurt. It's an added bonus. But Ramel Lloyd's probably one of the top 45 recruits in the country when, it, when it's all said and done. Jackson Shellstead is a big-time player. He's not an, a secondary ad piece so you get Mookie Cook. He's great. He's going to end up being one of the top 100 recruits in America, I think. And he's one of the savviest, most athletic point guards to ever come out of West Lynn. And his real, only real competition for that is Peyton Pritchard. Now, Peyton Pritchard won four state titles, three state players of the year at the 6A level. So that's a really steep comparison. And yet, I think there's some, some value to it. I think saying Jackson Shellstead is kind of the next Peyton Pritchard. Uh, I, I think there are people very, very close to Jackson who aren't, you know, family members. There are people who work with him as coaches who would say that that comparison is not crazy. So, of course, you'd love to get a Jackson Shellstead. I'm just saying all those pieces, you could see potentially a roadmap where all of those pieces lead to a guy like Mookie Cook. And why is Mookie Cook so special? Well, Mookie Cook potentially is a top 10 to 15. Right now, I think he's in the top 15 across every ranking. Uh, top 15 recruit in the nation. 
So you could see how getting a top 60 kid, getting a, a really, really good swing guard in Lamar Washington, getting a Jackson Selstead, those are all fantastic pieces. And then getting Mookie Cook and suddenly you've got four guys who are all connected who are all fantastic. I think that's the roadmap. And oh yeah, by the way, they might get Dior Johnson in that 2022 class if they get Lamar Washington. And again, those pieces aren't connected, but there's a possibility they get both those guys. With Ramel Lloyd, that's an unbelievable recruiting class. I'm excited talking about it because it's nice to see the roadmap and go, this is, I think, what's going on. I think they're going after Dior Johnson. I think they're going after Ramel Lloyd Jr. I think potentially they go after Lamar Washington. They add one more piece, and that's the class of 2022. In the class of 2023, they want Jackson Shelstead and Mookie Cook, and then probably another national piece. That's where I think this is headed. It's interesting. There's four pieces of five-star news, and it's all good. I think Oregon is in good shape for Mookie Cook, potentially coming off his visit. I think Oregon's in good shape for Dior Johnson, the number three player in the nation. I think Oregon's going to get a return visit from Kelvin Banks, the five-star offensive tackle, and Cyrus Moss, who right now, again, if this were signing day, would project as a five-star recruit. I think Oregon is firmly in the driver's seat for him. That's all happened in the last week. Welcome back to recruiting Oregon Duck Athletics. Holy cow. And I said before, I felt like I was sitting on my hands. There were guys that were interested in Oregon, interested in Oregon State, you know, Oregon high school athletes who were interested in schools, and they couldn't visit anywhere. And I was like, man, you know, I'm, I'm getting the itch to write about real stuff. And I can't wait till visits happen because that's when things really happen that change, that morph. A guy visits a school and they're in his top eight, but they jump to number one because the visit's great. Look at Kayvon Thibodeau. Oregon was in it, but they weren't the leader. After their visit, they became the leader and they got him. And oh yeah, by the way, he might be the number one pick in the NFL draft. It can change on a dime. And this week, things have changed or shaped themselves to such a degree that I feel confident for the first time in a while that I feel strongly I understand the roadmap for different bro- from the different programs at Oregon. Before you were going, yeah, this kid on the phone said Oregon's his leader. He'll probably end up choosing Oregon because not a lot's going to change it. That's not exciting. It's not ho-hum. You know, it's, it's very ho-hum. It's not changing news. It's not breaking news. I think I've written like 22 articles, produced two podcasts, and two radio shows in the last eight days. Things are changing. Things are evolving. And I hope you're enjoying the ride. I hope you're enjoying listening to it as much as I'm enjoying cover it because, man, like I've said before, this feels like such a breath of fresh air. I'm covering a real beat now. I'm not covering kids sitting at home wishing they could be places, they're visiting places, and their minds are being changed. And Mario Cristobal and Dana Altman are two of the best mind changers on an official visit you'll find anywhere. Exciting times in Eugene. Want to get to Oregon State? They have a big visit weekend coming up. How did last week go? And also, another commitment to Boise State that impacts Oregon State's recruiting effort. We'll talk about what that means, but first, we're going to take a quick break. I mentioned a couple times on this show, the Oregon State Beavers are going to be hosting significant weekends every single weekend in June. They're stacking official visits. And I said, I'm waiting a little bit to get to release these because they're so fluid. And in the end, I chose to wait on this weekend's list until the actual week of. And the reason, just in the last week alone, we've seen a fluctuation of three or four guys in and out. And if I'd have given you the list when I when I felt strongly that I had it buttoned down, I had a kid who absolutely Oregon State, he booked it, he was ready to go, and he canceled it recently because of family reasons, and he's eliminated Oregon State. 
So I could have done a podcast and said, this kid's visiting. It doesn't even matter anymore. Oregon State's not even in it because his family wants him to stay closer to home because of a family situation. So I feel much better about this list giving it week in. That's what I should have done from the beginning. Although that first weekend in June, kids were so excited about where they were going to go that first weekend. I was able to give that one to you three, four weeks in advance. And we didn't see a lot of changes. From when I first thought I had this list for Oregon State for this weekend to now, we've seen some changes. The two commitments have been locked in for a long time. Melvin Jordan, the four-star linebacker, the number six inside linebacker in the nation. He committed to Oregon State a while ago. He's visiting this weekend. He's tweeted about it. This has been his weekend that he was going to visit for a few months now. And Travis Throckmorton, the three-star quarterback. Travis Throckmorton's stock is rising. He went to the Elite 11 Regional in Los Angeles. He was one of the top five or six performers, according to Greg Biggins uh, of 24-7 Sports. He won the Golden... Oh, I'm going to mess it up. It's the Golden Gun Arm Challenge uh, for accuracy. That's still not right. It's like the Golden Gun Arm Accuracy Challenge or something like that. But there were big-time, big-time recruits there. Malik Murphy was there, one of the top quarterbacks in the nation. Uh, Kaden Hauser was there going to Boise State but he's exploded in recent weeks. He got an Elite 11 invitation. Travis Throckmorton was the most accurate quarterback there. And I had a chance to talk to Greg Biggins about what he is. And he said, you know, he's not quite as big as I thought. He's maybe 6'1 and a half, 6'2". He's extremely accurate. He throws off platform really well. He can make plays out of structure. He's comfortable rolling out of the pocket and making plays and making accurate throws on the run. And what was funny is I said, well, okay, so he was better than you thought. And Biggins said, no, because his quarterback coach has been sending me clips consistently to show me like, hey, this kid's really good. And so I knew coming in, he was going to be better than kind of the general consensus. So he was pretty much exactly what I thought he was, which is a really, really good quarterback. And suddenly, you know, Biggins mentioned that if he has a good senior year, he's on that bubble to earn a fourth star. Great evaluation by Oregon State. I've talked about that a couple times, that even if you don't get a guy, If he suddenly becomes a national monster recruit, that's a good sign that you evaluated well. And here we are again, Travis Throckmorton, Oregon State gets the commitment from him and his stock is rising. They got in early. They saw it early. They took a chance early. Oregon State's going to have to do that. And that's what drove me nuts about the Gary Anderson staff. Not only were they slow to to offer kids and they weren't taking chances and they weren't being aggressive but then also they would be like the seventh offer behind Arizona State Washington USC Oregon and they're so far behind the eight ball of programs that fair or not are perceived to have been better programs on the field at that time and given the struggles they had under Gary Anderson that was a fair assumption but they were coming in late and big time programs that already offered kids And I said, Oregon State's got to be aggressive. They've got to offer first. When they offer first or second, they often get the kid and they got to hope their evaluations hold up. And so far, we're seeing evaluations hold up. A nice get in Travis Throckmorton. He and Jordan Melvin are coming, or excuse me, Melvin Jordan are coming in just looking to, to help recruit and make sure. And in the case of Melvin Jordan, this is a big one. He's number six inside linebacker in the country. He likes Oregon, the Oregon State scheme fit. Avery Roberts and Omar Spates were Pac-12 tackle leaders. He loves that. He wants that role. He wants to go sideline to sideline and hit people. That's who he thinks he is. That's who he believes he is. And I think, based on what he's told me, that's who the Oregon State staff thinks he is. That he's potentially like a Fred Warner type, where he's not that monster, huge, middle linebacking thumper. He's the guy that can pick up a tight end in coverage, can pick up a running back in the flat in coverage, can can blitz occasionally from the middle or from the outside, depending on how you disguise things. And oh yeah, can tackle against the run. 
Other schools see him as a safety because he's six foot two oh five. That's that's kind of my on the huff evaluation is like this is a big hitting safety. This is a, like a Jamal Adams ish kind of guy, but obviously not as big. Uh, this is a Derwin James type, like a physical safety. And it sounds like Oregon State and Melvin Jordan very much disagree. And they're probably more right than I am. But he's coming to visit, and I think for him, it's shoring up that Corvallis is, is the right place. He's never been to Corvallis. He committed because of scheme. He committed because of the staff and the relationships he has. But he did not commit because of Corvallis because he hasn't seen it. He said he is going to camp with some schools in the ACC and SEC this summer. This commitment is not done. He's been to multiple high schools. He's been committed to a couple of other colleges. So this is a kid who's changed his mind a number of times. They need to hang on to this one. He's great. The number six inside backer in the country. Good player. The other big names, Ryan Otten, the four-star tight end. He is the nation's number five tight end. This is a big-time player. The problem, and it's not a huge problem, Oregon State's taking a real flyer here. Because Ryan Otten is the younger brother of Washington star receive, uh, tight end Kate Otten. Kate Otten projects as a day two NFL draft pick. He's going to be like a second or third rounder. He might be the first tight end taken in the next NFL draft. He's had success there. He loves it there. Ryan Otten and Kate Otten, obviously, are both from the state of Washington. So Oregon State's going to take the flyer and see if they can't somehow pull this recruitment off and pull this commitment off. But it is going to be an uphill battle. 24-7 Sports has every prediction for this kid being he's going to choose Washington. Um, I feel very comfortable saying I think he's going to choose Washington. But Oregon State's going to battle. And if you're an Oregon State fan, if you're Beaver Nation looking for silver lining, Oregon State has gone head-to-head with Washington for a tight end recently and won. They got Jake Overman. Jake Overman a couple years ago had an offer from Washington, an offer from Oregon State, and he chose Oregon State. So we've seen it happen, but this one might be a little steeper. He is the headliner of this of this visit list, a very, very good player. Dylan Lopez, when is a Florida guy not from Florida? Dylan Lopez is from California. He went to IMG Academy to try to boost his stock on the recruiting trail. He's a top 30 inside uh, interior offensive lineman, really good player. It's going to be an uphill battle because he's got a ton of big time offers. But you get them on campus and you try. And one of the things I like to see from Oregon State, and I've, I mentioned it last week with Dave Iuli, I'm mentioning it again this week, Oregon State is taking some swings along the offensive line. If you've listened to me, Oregon State fans, if you've suffered through my criticism of Oregon State recruiting the last four or five years, particularly under Gary Anderson, I have said it's been improving. But if one of the things I've talked about is they have not recruited offensive line well at all. They've recruited offensive line about as well as a mid to maybe slightly upper tier Mountain West program. They're getting two-star guys. Occasionally late in the process, a couple years in a row, they've had to take a big sky commitment, offer him a scholarship, and take a big sky guy. They're not taking San Jose State's commitments. They're taking Portland State and Montana's commitments. That's a problem. I had a Portland State coach call me and say, hey, is Oregon State striking out on uh, linemen this year? This was a couple years ago because they're offering our guys. That's a problem. That's not the case anymore. Dave Iuli is the number nine offensive guard in the country. Dylan Lopez is a top 30 interior offensive lineman in the country. That's a big swing. It's a big swing. It's great to see Mahalchek has really developed offensive linemen. And when you come on campus to Oregon State, that's going to be a selling point. Because 
I can criticize Oregon State's offensive line recruiting the last few years. The numbers speak for themselves in terms of caliber, and the scholarship offers speak for themselves, right? If, if, if these guys, if Oregon State was getting guys that had chosen Oregon State over half the Pac-12, you'd say, okay, you know, the Pac-12 disagrees. Nemec, obviously most people think, you know, most people in the Pac-12 think that these guys are really good. But when you're beating the Mountain West and Big Sky and nobody else in the Pac-12 has really offered your guys, that means the Pac-12 agrees with me that they're probably not Pac-12 caliber guys. And despite that, Oregon State's offensive line's held up pretty well and been pretty solid. Now, they've added through the transfer portal a couple of additional pieces to help bolster things. But generally speaking, those guys have outplayed their star rating. They had to. So imagine if you're Coach Mahalchek, you could say, hey, listen, look what I've done with two-star and not rated guys. Come be a four-star here and see what I can do with you. I'll make you a first-round pick. I'll make you a second-round pick. Because I'm turning out you know, potential late-round guys or undrafted NFL free agent guys out of two-stars. I think it's I think it's a worthy pitch. I'm that's probably not his pitch, but I think it's a selling point for Oregon State. They've done a good job developing. Now they've been lower level guys. Again, imagine what happens if they get those higher level guys. And that's what I think they're trying to do in 2022. They're taking some big swings. Ryan Otten, big swing. Dave Iuli, big swing. Dylan Lopez, big swing. Three-star offensive tackle Luca Vincic out of Washington also going to be taking a visit. He's from Bothell High School. Uh, big body, six foot six, uh, six foot five, two hundred seventy-five pounds. I think he needs to add some weight. I think he can get him up to two ninety. And he's probably a right tackle. Interesting player, Luca Vincic. I like him. I don't think he's like an absolute monster, but I really like the frame, and I can really see what Oregon State sees in him for sure. Three-star linebacker. Oh boy, uh, Shakun Bowser out of Arizona. He's got offers from the in-state schools. Arizona and Arizona State have offered. I like to see that. I don't know if everybody does. I don't know if that's a that's a thing, but when the shoe is on the other foot, when it's an Oregon kid and he gets an offer from Cal or Washington, but he doesn't have an offer from Oregon or Oregon State, I kind of usually go, "Okay, what are they missing?" Cuz they've got they've got the best look at him, right? So if your in-state schools don't offer a guy, sometimes that happens with Florida kids. When a Florida kid visits, you know, in the case of Melvin Jordan, you go, "Okay, did Florida, Florida State, and Miami offer? Because those are the big three in Florida. And if they didn't offer, maybe he's not that good. In the case of Melvin Jordan, he has all three of those offers. Florida, Florida State, and Miami have all offered. You go, wow, okay, he's a big-time talent. Bowser has offers from Arizona and Arizona State. The in-state schools that have seen him the most, that have gotten to know him the best, like him a lot. That tells me all I need to know. Bowser, a quality prospect visiting Oregon State this week and three-star linebacker. or Yeah, excuse me, three-star linebacker. And then three-star corner Noble Thomas Jr., out of university school in Orange City, Florida, uh, not rated in the composite rankings because Rivals hasn't rated him, but 24-7 Sports has him as a three-star corner. Listen, this is a kid that fits the mold. He's six foot, 185 pounds. He's a big, long athlete at corner. And we've seen that. That's that's the Oregon State dream. If they can get 6'3", six, 6'4", six, at corner, they can get another Nation right, they'll do it. 6'1", 6'2", that's plenty big, they'll take him. 5'10", no thank you. 5'9", uh, you're not going to be able to see over anybody else in our cornerback room. We're not interested. You can't even see the chalkboard. 6'4", 6'3", 6'2", 6'1", yes, please. This is a kid who's projectable. You watch his film and he moves pretty well for 6'1". He's raw. He needs to develop, but I like him. I get it. And again, Oregon State making moves in Florida. Melvin Jordan, already got him. Four-star recruit. Dylan Lopez visiting this weekend. Noble Thomas Jr. visiting this weekend. 
three Florida prospects. They're not just looking on the West Coast. And I think that's a good thing. And I think that's a good thing in part because I, I think for too long, Oregon State along the West Coast has had kind of the reputation of being, of being at the lower level of the Pac-12. And I think if you don't follow it that closely and you don't come in with preconceived notions and you look at Oregon State, you look at their facilities, you look at the way they host a visit, you look at the way they're run right now, and again, you don't come in with preconceived notion of what they are, you go, this is one of the top 30 programs in the country. They've got a great coaching staff. They've got some great offensive minds. They've got really good facilities. Again, 24-7 sports last year had them as the 25th best facilities in the country. This year, they were like the honorable mention. So top 30, top 35. This is a good program. In terms of the way they're run, in terms of the way they recruit, they're doing a nice job. And I'm all of these guys make sense to me. There were years that guys didn't make sense to me. And, you know, famously... <laughs> Uh, again, Gary Anderson, but I, I do feel like I need to explain where I was coming from with some of this criticism. Gary Anderson one time offered a kid that I knew pretty well and I couldn't believe it. And his coach called me, he got an offer, a scholarship offer. And his coach called me, or I called his coach to find out because I'd seen him play and he, he wasn't even a very good high school player. And I said, what's the deal? And he said, honestly, I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. And then after signing day, what got back to me is, Oregon State saw one play of his and thought they were playing somebody good and it happened to be not a great year for that program. And so because he had that really good play against a good program, they thought he was great. They went to go visit him and they told him to take his shirt off (laughs) and took a picture of him and sent it to Gary. One of the assistants took a picture of the kid shirtless and sent it to Gary and that was enough. They offered him a scholarship. Kid wasn't even all league in high school. That's the kind of stuff that was going on before. And so when I look at the list, even guys I haven't heard of, I go back and watch the film and I'm like, this makes sense. This is a Pac-12 player. Or, okay, maybe he's a mountain, a high-level Mountain West player, but I see the ceiling of a, of a mid-level Pac-12 player every single time. When they have seven guys visiting, I think all seven are pretty dang good. And there was a time not too long ago that I thought two or three were good. This is a much improved recruiting effort by this staff. I'm telling you, it is. It's just, it's leaps and bounds better than it was. It's really encouraging. That being said, there was another commitment this week for Boise State, and it was a kid who chose Boise State over Oregon State. We saw it with Caten Hauser. Now, Caten Hauser is an Elite 11 finalist. Caten Hauser has significant interest that I think he's going to end up with interest from the top 10 or 15 programs in the country. It wouldn't shock me if a Florida, Florida State, uh, Michigan, Ohio State, probably not Ohio State, uh, they recruit top two, three quarterbacks in the country, but those level of programs that he gets an offer from one of those, that he gets an offer from one of the big boys. That wouldn't shock me at all at this point. Caden Hauser has blown up. Good evaluation by Oregon State. You missed him. Frankly, Boise State has his commitment, and I think Boise State could still miss him because I think he could end up, again, with one of those major, major offers you just can't turn down. So you lose him to Boise State, and you go, dang it, I wish we wouldn't have lost that one. Cage Casey, the Clackamas offensive lineman on Thursday, chose Boise State over Oregon State. He visited Oregon State, had a workout, committed. Or excuse me, got an offer. Went to Boise State, had a workout, got an offer, came home, and today committed to Boise State over Oregon State. You don't want to see that keep happening. That's something that I would put uh, I, I would I would kind of put a pin in this recruiting class and say let's go back to this let's look at the end because Boise State frankly I don't care how good they are should not have a better recruiting class than Oregon State should not happen and if they do that's a problem I, again I don't care who I don't care who 
I don't care who you you are in the Pac-12. You cannot lose a recruiting battle consistently to Boise State. They can't beat you on the recruiting trail. Cannot happen in terms of overall class ranking. Cannot happen. So this is two times now. I'm not panicked. Oregon State fans shouldn't panic. I imagine the staff hardly cares when it comes to offensive linemen because they've got some some really good linemen coming to campus. But consistently, you don't want to see that. So this is two. You don't want to see it get to four, five, and six in the class of 2022 or it's a problem. Boise State can't consistently beat you. Two, it happens. Five, six, seven, it's a trend and you can't lose to Mountain West program. So it's something to watch. But again, Oregon State elevating the visitors they have on campus. Used to be you'd see sprinkle of three stars and the you know two stars and then a four star. This week, it's like, oh, the nation's number six inside linebacker. The nation's number five tight end. Last week, the nation's number nine offensive guard. Man, that's better. It's a lot better. That's it for this week's recruiting trail. Thank you for listening. Next week, another breakdown of official visitors. This June is going to be wild. We are going to see a lot of visitors this month. And that's really what these podcasts are going to be the next few episodes. We will in the summer get into some more analysis. We'll break down some of who these commitments are. And I hope, I hope we have the programming at Oregon Live and the Oregonian to start having guests on the show so we can start having some of these recruits on the show to talk about their experiences. Uh, Looking forward to that. But thank you for listening to this week's edition of The Recruiting Trail. We'll be back next week. Appreciate you.